Okay, y'all. Um, this is the finance one, balancing our ledgers, checkbooks, all that good stuff. Larry, did you bring the assignment I told you to bring for tonight's? Okay, thank you. All right, y'all, we are talking about sexual intimacy, sexual love tonight. This is the last installment, the last uh, class on marriage. Um, why don't we pray? Can I get my glasses so I can see? And, uh, oh, this weekend I did a wedding, had so much fun. Y'all was in Jacksonville, Texas. Nancy and I went. Uh, anybody been to Jacksonville? Okay, it's down by, it's East Texas. It's Tyler, Longview, Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is the smallest of the three. Um, but it's, it's like old Texas, East Texas. Y'all, this wedding was in the backyard of a house of, what, 50-something acres? I mean... And trees, like, do you remember what trees used to look like? They used to be, like, really tall, like big pines and, uh, like, monster trees. Big old trees. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Great atmosphere. I love weddings. One of the, my favorite things to do is weddings because the evangelist in me knows that there's going to be so many unbelieving people there. And I absolutely love that. So this was... A great, great time. I felt like God uh, worked and showed up. Jesus showed up, and it was really, really cool. But missed you guys. We're back at it this weekend. Galatians. So tonight we wrap up uh, marriage. All right, so we, we should know a couple of things in marriage. I know Van was anxious for this one tonight, so I'm not going to wait for him, though. We're going to get started. Y'all ready to go? You're here. Let's just do this. All right, so first we looked at the ultimate meaning of marriage. And um, did I see Elizabeth, thank you. These ladies, what is up with these ladies today? Man, I'm telling you. Go on. All right, let me pray for Elizabeth. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that um, you are with us. How do we know that? Uh, because you're with your people and you're with your word, and your spirit is with us. And so, Lord, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of what's coming uh, in us and what's coming towards us, uh, you love us. And we're learning to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and stood in for us. So even now, um, make that more clear to our minds, make him more real to our hearts by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, rude people, here we go. What is the ultimate meaning of marriage? What is it? So, we know that uh, there are a lot of engines for marriage, a lot of foundations for marriage, and they usually don't show up in these like, oh, I have a a doctrine or an idea of marriage, and I give this sticky statement or a proposition about the meaning of marriage. They usually show up in conflict and troubles, uh, overwhelming things that come at us, um, things that are mysterious and deep within us that come out of us, and then we wrestle with, what's the meaning of marriage, right? 
and so it's not compatibility, and it's not your feelings of love, and it's not all these different things from uh, romance to best friends to uh, financial security, whatever it is, sex, what, whatever the engines that are running around in our culture and our movies uh, and even in our Christian how-to books on how to have a good marriage. Uh, the ultimate meaning of marriage, the ultimate rock, the ultimate engine is that God brought you together. God did the work. He did the work of making two people one new creation, one new reality. So that's tremendous hope. It's tremendous power there. It doesn't answer everything to say about marriage. Like, um, Abby, you mentioned, like, okay, so uh, what would be some of the purposes, like some of the things now that we do in marriage? Those are great things to look at. And I would say I direct you to The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. He unpacks the friendship and the and the lover dynamic, which is really, really good, uh, on this journey of uh, knowing God in going ultimately home. And God gave you a, an ultimate teammate, best friend, and lover to do this with and to be uh, creating and cultivating the stuff that we looked at, remember, in Genesis, to be a creator and a cultivator of whatever he's given you to do and be a blessing in this life uh, to others, to the church. So these are, these are meaningful things, right? Work's a meaningful thing to do it together. But the bottom meaning of marriage that drives everything is that you don't make it happen. You didn't make it happen. He brought you two together. He made you one. So now go do it. So what, what does he tell us to do in marriage? Well, go do it now because he brought you two together. Well, I just don't. What do you not know? What do you need? I need to like, I need to be completed. Uh, no, you, you've been brought together. Get going in your marriage. Learn to love each other. I need, but my needs are being met. What needs are those? God brought you together. Learn to love more and need less. I mean, it's just, that's where our, I think the scripture wants us to be as husbands and wives more than some of the other meanings of marriage that are put forward out there for us to be engaged in and to think about and get swallowed up by and get disappointed by, blame the other person for, right? That's just, why do that? Uh, so stop looking for some other work. Bottom line, what's the ultimate roles in marriage? Each spouse gets to play the savior. So the wife bends to strengthen her husband. That's what the word submit is really all about. It's bending to strengthen another. It's a warrior role, actually. And then the husband gives to lead his wife. So the self-giving is how you lead. I mean, you can go, we can go all the way without being, I hope it's not too like, explicit, but it's just like, just look at how we're physically made. That dynamic is even woven into our gender, right? Uh, so get on with your marriage. Stop minimizing the roles of the other person. Where we get problems is, is we start, we start attaching to these biblical roles of playing the savior to each other in the marriage, and we start attaching specific concrete embodiments and applications in culture and in specific homes and in specific relationships, and then we codify that application and say, that's what submission looks like. That's what uh, leading looks like. And all of a sudden, these words like 
headship and leading and words like uh, submission uh, take on these really weird things and really kind of controlling destructive um, directions, right? And so if you push them too far, you can go in some really weird places. There are places all over town that actually build on false views of gender. There are religious movements in town doing that. There's whole books written on biblical manhood and womanhood, and this is what it looks like. Um, it's so fascinating that they say it looks like something that Scripture never says. The Scripture tells us these realities, but it never really goes into specific. Husbands, love your wives. Okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. Lead your wife. Okay, good, good, good. How? All right, does that mean I, 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 I manage the books? All right. Wives, respect your husbands. Bend to empower them. Okay, does that mean I'm always at home? Right, there is no answer. So why do we have so many books telling us the answer? Just a thought. All right, so get on with your marriage. Stop minimizing the role of the other person. Enjoy the role. Learn, figure it out. What are some significant communication and conflict in marriage? Well, we saw that most conflict in marriage, James tells us, comes from what? Mega desires. What are mega desires? The, the old nature, the Adamic nature, the sin nature, the flesh is one big mega desire. One big epi mega desire of self. One big epi mega desire of wanting to take Jesus' place as Lord and Savior. One big mega desire that has many multi strategies and forms of doing that. It can take things like just wanting to have some physical comfort in life and make that epi mega, right? It can take, which are good things, right? Is it okay for someone to want comfort in life? Of course there is. Is it okay to like come home from work and for each spouse to expect, you know, I just want some a little emotional, physical, material comfort. And then when the other one says, you know, let's talk about something really significant and and uh, hard, and um, we dif- disagree and differ on, and there's been lots of conflict on, for the other person to go, oh, I just didn't want to do that tonight. Is that okay? Of course that's okay. Of course that is. But what happens when that becomes everything to you? And now you're in a place where there's going to be things happening that aren't good. You're going to demand you're going to get angry, right? And that's what James says. So mega desires, uh, and the way that uh, the meaning of marriage puts it in Keller's book, don't be a vacuum cleaner. Don't be a hoover. Don't suck. If you have a God-shaped, God-sized hole in your soul, you, you're full of mega desires to fill it. So recognize that. Recognize when you're sucking in the marriage. Recognize when you're bec- you've become a, a vacuum cleaner. Look for it. And instead, as that text said, God gives more grace, go that route. Be filled instead of suck, right? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the gospel. Be filled with Jesus' love for you and the salvation he's accomplished for you. Let that dynamic start happening in your marriage, in your life, and you will need less, you'll suck less, and you'll love more. 
That's James's whole argument right there. Uh, the other one is this, that we didn't get a place, and I wanted to touch on that just briefly, like right now. Who has the place of control in the marriage? Does the husband have the place of control in the marriage, or does the wife have the place of control in the marriage? Who has the place of control in the marriage? What do you think? Neither of them. God does. And you can watch. You can watch when one person assumes that place. It's wreckage time. It's vacuum cleaner time. It's mega desire time. And if you have a certain view of of, um, headship or leadership, and it assumes that control part that's only reserved for God. It's interesting if you look at all the texts and all the, you know, the husbandry and the wifely duties that Paul has at the end of his letters. If you look at all of them, the only one that has the place of control is God, not any of those spouses. That's very instructive. So if you go with a certain view of headship and leadership or submission and obedience, to use the words of the Bible, and it assumes that one has control and one doesn't, that's an absolutely abusive view. Okay, so get on with your marriage. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Now, tonight, we dim the lights. We do the drums roll. Now we're into sexual intimacy and sexual love. And this is our last one tonight. So we're going to start with warming up. Uh, metaphorically and literally, with true and false questions, okay? So here we go. Sexual intimacy, and when I'm going to say sexual intimacy, parentheses, I put love. My wife always makes sure I don't just say sex when we talk. You mean making love. Yes, yes, honey. Making love. So sexual intimacy, parentheses, love. See, she she's back there saying good, good. Good job, honey, good job. Sexual intimacy, sexual love is crucial for a healthy marriage. True or false? Okay, why? You don't have to have all the answers, but maybe an answer. (laughs) Go, I want to say so much more to that. Yes. Why be married? Yes. Yes. Stephen, you could, you could just be friends. Yeah, good. Anybody else? That was beautiful. What? Uh, why? What? What is it? Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So it's almost like a a, a sacrament, right? It's actually like what. It's one of the designs of marriage. So if, if God made gravity and you say, I don't believe in gravity, who wins? Yeah. So if God said sexual intimacy and sexual love is actually part of marriage, if you ignore that in your marriage, what is that? How can that be? It's not marriage, right? Okay, good. Anything else? Anybody want to say anything else about that? Yeah, I got plenty for you. So if you think you can get away with just saying minimal something on this one, I'm going to get you on another one. Here we go. Sexual intimacy, love, is one of the most significant problems, conflicts in marriage. 
can be, yeah. True, okay, so you say true, can be, it's kind of a weak answer. Not really true or false. Yeah. So what, let's say it can be true, why? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Did y'all hear that? It's where you're most vulnerable. It's that whole naked, not just physically, but emotionally, your person. So you're vulnerable, like get hurt, right? Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Quick thoughts that immediately come to mind? Excellent. Yeah, if it's not there, yeah, it can be a presenter of something hmm, that needs to be looked at, right? It's like that check the engine light. Nobody does anything until the light comes. Well, everything's so computerized now. I got things popping up, five of them, and I don't do anything. But there was a time. Well, the only one that really gets my attention is check the engine oil, right? So there is a legit, like, that would be a warning light. That would be like, oh, we got to look under the hood. Something's not right, right? Good. Sexual intimacy, love in marriage takes work. Oh, didn't expect that one. Chandra? Yeah. Takes work. Why, why do you say true? Yep. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Excellent. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So two different worlds, two different, not only, I mean, two different genders. I think we downplay that. We're certainly downplaying it in today's culture. So there's two different genders. Do, does each gender come with some sort of concentrations of glory and design and desire and pleasure that maybe the other gender doesn't have as much of or compliments the other, you know what I'm saying? So that in and of itself means some interesting things to navigate. And then personality. Okay, we'll just keep going. Sexual intimacy. Oh, there, there's the next question. Sexual intimacy, love, and marriage involves gender differences. True or false? Does it? Today, nobody's, today, that's not like, today, that's false. Yeah, biblically, yes. Today, that's false. So what are they? That's just a thought. We're going to touch on some of that today. But what are they? What, would they? what might they be? And how far do you push it in certain areas? Because... You can push some things that, generally speaking, tend to be gender-oriented, but now also culturally, they're now what might have been, generally speaking, a man's gender area or a woman's gender area is now crossing into the other gender. It's kind of interesting. Pornography being a major one. It used to be just like a men's deal, right? Well, now I'm being told that... You can't just assume it's a man's deal. 
just some thoughts. Um, sexual intimacy, love, and marriage can be sinful. Sinful, S-I-N-F-U-L. Ooh, yeah. Excellent. Yes, yes. And that's a really good answer. Okay, let's, anybody else want to say something about that? Expand upon it? Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the major things that's so interesting, one of the, with churched kids that I marry, churched kids, um, not unchurched kids, generally speaking, Generally speaking, church kids are told no, 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 no for so long, they have a hard time saying yes when it happens. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, he's just being a dude. She's a slut, but he's just being a dude. Yeah. Okay, one spouse in the marriage usually desires more sexual intimacy, love, than the other. <laughs> I told you we're going to get in it. Yeah. Yes. So generally speaking, does one usually? That's interesting, too. Yeah. It's good. Um, it's fun. It's marriage building. It's marriage strengthening. It's personally, relationally life-giving to have sexual intimacy, love, at least once a quarter, once every three months. <laughs> I have fun writing that one. Okay. I just want us to just start thinking about it, right? Thinking about it maybe a little differently. Um, this next one, struggles in sexual intimacy, love, usually circle around not feeling loved. Frequency. Fatigue. Gender and or personality differences. Lack of communication. Pseudo-spouses, do you all know what that means? Anybody read Keller's book? Just think of idols, idols. And the lack of working at the relationship or deepening the relationship. So struggles usually circle around those issues. I give you a lot of them. 
But the answer is true. Just from my experience, personally and in counseling others, those seem to be the top repetitive themes. That doesn't mean that's the only themes. Uh, but that is a, so I'm just going to say them again. They circle around not feeling loved. Frequency. This is not, not any particular order either. Fatigue. Seasons of life, fatigue, just being exhausted. Gender and or personality differences, just not knowing what those are. And then if you don't, you look at the other one very suspiciously and almost like moralize your particular gender, personality, preferences, desires, and design, thereby making your spouses immoral. And we'll look at some of those things that tend to happen. Uh, and the lack of working at the relationship, deepening the relationship, obviously pseudo spouses or idols in one's life, those mega desires, right? Um, lack of communication, those are really some of the top. Is there, well, we're, we're going to do this in a second, so I'm not going to let you answer any more of that. Okay, here's the last two. Generally speaking, I'm saying generally speaking because I will tell you that in Marriage counseling and in premarital counseling with, see, with, I don't know how many couples over the past 20-something years. And then college students for, how long did I do campus ministry? Eight. Eight years and then three as a student. So like 11 years of college relationships. Generally speaking, generally speaking, men tend to have higher concentrations of visual desire or intimacy than women, and women tend to have higher concentrations of tactical or touch affection and intimacy than men, generally speaking. True or false? I see many people nodding. You might be on the, you might be the exception to that, right? You might be the exception, no, as a woman, no, I have higher concentrations of visual desire and intimacy, and my husband seems to have higher concentrations of touch or tactical affection, desire, and intimacy, okay? But I want us to see that those are distinctions that are not wrong or moral, they're just... God's distinctions of design. Does that make sense? And that's important because a lot of times when people will come to me, um, one will be, one spouse will be highlighting one of the aspects here, the tactical or the touch or the affection, even without, it's just intimacy. It doesn't have to be sexual. Can we just, I mean, how many, I mean, Nancy, how many times have you said this to me over the years? Can we just cuddle without it going anywhere? Right? Um, tactical touch affection that could be sexual, but it's intimate. It's still intimate without anything else, right? How many times have I had a, a couple come in where one's highlighting that dynamic and the other spouse is just either completely oblivious to it, unaware of it, or thinks it's silly? That happens a lot. Or thinks it's wrong. You know, when the man has a, a visual, the visual one, that usually gets, because, I mean, look at pornography today, right? It's horrific for men. But why is that such a big deal for men? Generally speaking, 
right? Could be that there might be a design component of visual. And when we look at Song of Songs, that seems to bear that out, right? Okay, how about this? Generally speaking, men are like microwaves. <laughs> and women are like crockpots, sexually. The answer to that is very true, generally speaking. There are three things, I, if, if we do anything tonight, there are three things that I, I want to make sure we communicate about design that are incredibly helpful. And I will tell you, uh, Nancy and I never got premarital counseling. That In our area, we were in the parachurch world. That just didn't happen. Um, we did things like in the parachurch world, here are the 100 qualifications to find your spouse. You know, do they meet this 100 qualifications? And that's the one for you. You know, it's all very codified, systematized on, on this perfect being that doesn't exist. Um, so we didn't get uh, someone sitting down and talking this stuff out. We went through the painful experience of it, the things I'm about to mention to you. Um, so I want to make sure I communicate these. These are the things I communicate in premarital counseling. And it was incredibly helpful when we figured these things out. The first is, generally speaking, um, men have higher concentrations of visual. Women have higher concentrations of touch, intimacy. Does that make sense? Generally speaking. So if I'm to love my wife, I'm going to pursue her that way. Does that make sense? If I'm going to give to her, and she loves me the other way as well, that's, there's a give and take, right? So husbands and wives, figure that out. Now, it might be that you've got it flip-flopped, because that's definitely the case. But one of you tend to have more of the visual than the tactical. One of you has more of the tactical or the touch than the visual. Uh, I don't know if this is, I'm trying not to pull a, who's the dude that just, Mars Hill, what's the dude? Yeah, I'm trying not to pull a Mark Driscoll. Um, but we figured this, I figured this out, uh, I think it was on our honeymoon, and Nancy walked by, um, I'm in the skin, I'm in the clothing I came into this world in, she walked by to get her clothes, walked out, and I went, she left, went out of the room, and I went, I, I said this out loud, what just happened? And I chased her. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. How can you do that? I said, honey, if you were standing here in the clothes that you came into this world in, and you walked by me, game over, honey. It can't happen, right? So it took that for, and she's like, honey, I'm sorry, I'm just, I don't have that reality. Now, again, it could be flipped, and it doesn't mean if you, whatever, I'm not, I'm not trying to pigeonhole anybody. I'm just saying, talk about that if you haven't already. That's an area. Another area is the whole crop pot microwave. That's another significant area. Uh, Crock pots do what? They're slow, 
Um, they're very environmental. They smell up the whole house. It's very universal and cultural. We're making food. Uh, it's not just now. It was actually like it started at 5 o'clock in the morning when you put the thing in and nobody was up. Right? Uh, so, like, for instance, I, in the morning, um, if Nancy and I are interacting and let's say we have an interaction and I say something that was sarcastic or hurtful and, and I probably knew it but pretended I didn't and we leave for the day, as soon as I got in the truck and I'm gone, it, that's gone. I mean, it's like I'm on and I'm like saving people and I'm preparing sermons and I'm doing counseling and I'm filled with the spirit, right? And I'm on, man. I'm doing what I need to do in my day and, and she's having a horrible day. She is like thinking about what I just said to her and it's ruining her coffee and it's ruining her conversation with the kids and she goes to work and it's just sour and, and then we get home and I come through the home, honey, and I give her a kiss and it's like, It's like someone died. I mean, something died in the house. And I'm like, right? And I'm like, hey, date night, you know? Do you see? That's the microwave. It, it's not even just like, it, it's not just foreplay. I don't want you to be thinking just of foreplay. I want you to be thinking of life. Everything that goes on in life, how you interact, how you talk. Um, there was a lady that, at Park Cities that uh, grabbed the young married ladies. Wasn't it a Bible study? Who, who was, do you remember who she was? That she used to talk about how, what would communicate this microwave, I mean this crockpot reality, is when her husband was serving her. And like if he vacuumed the house, she was getting warmed up. And so it became a joke, and it became a joke in our marriage too. I'd grab the vacuum cleaner and I'd go, honey, whoop! <laughs> right? And I'd go, hey, over here do you need this? Am I telling a lie? No, I, I, we did that. So that dynamic is real. It's absolutely real. Now, I'm gonna speak to the ladies just on one side. What tends to happen is that dynamic looks better. It looks more loving, the crock pot, does it not? And the, and the dude just looks like a jerk because you hit the microwave, you hit the light switch, he's ready. And he looks so shallow because he could have been in an argument and it doesn't bother him, right? And all the guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So... I would just caution, this is where I, I caution couples over and over again, don't moralize your design and make the other spouse feel like dirt because they're not like you, okay? This is where we learn to appreciate each other's design and we learn to appreciate each other's differences and why might it be that God did that? I think the reality is, is he's trying to encourage us to love each other, to actually have to pursue the design and the interests of the other. 
right, to encourage the other, which is different than maybe our particular design, okay? So, I mean, just think about what that means. Again, without being Mark Driscoll, um, there, are, uh, there are ways to love your spouse in a microwave way, and there are ways to love your spouse if they're a crock. I mean, if they're a crock pot, there's ways to love them, and there's ways to love them if they're a microwave, right? Each spouse can pursue that for the other person, if that makes sense. All right, the last is this, is that generally speaking, and then we're going to look at some text. Generally speaking, one spouse is going to want sexual intimacy more than the other spouse. And so what I tell couples in premarital counseling, and if I've married you, you've known this and you've been practicing this and your sexual intimacy and love life in this area is so freaking healthy. Um, so talk about that, figure that out. And now to, to prevent unnecessarily hurt feelings, I'm going to ask you if you haven't done it yet, you talk with your spouse and you both agree on how often you're going to have sexual intimacy and love. Those of you that have kids, I mean, when I tell new marrieds and they're premarital, you know, the ones that uh, have not been sexually involved, they're like freaking out when I say this. They're like, are you kidding me? You know, uh, the college student, the, the newly married, you know, about to be newly married, they're just like, they have no concept of that. They're thinking, they're looking at the, one, we'll look at the other one and say, we're going to do this every day, right? And I laugh and laugh, you know, because I'm like, yeah, that's me. That was me. Every day, twice a day, sweetie, three times a day, maybe. Um, and it's like, then kids come, life comes, fatigue comes, and it's like, let's avoid unnecessary pain. What do I mean by that? The, the lying in bed and thinking that you're, communicating these telepathic, like, tonight, sweetie, right? Sweetie, sweetie, tonight. We're going to do it tonight, right, sweetie, right? And your spouse doesn't get your telepathic waves, and now you feel rejected. Do you see how ridiculous this is? But every married couple that's been married for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So why do that? Why do that? I mean, we painfully realize this through one person feeling rejected. It's not always me, Nancy feeling, we both feel rejected. So what do we do? We say, we agree upon when, how many times in a week. I know that sounds crazy, but it's incredibly healthy because all the pressure's off, completely off. No one's getting their feelings hurt. No, I mean, certainly some nights will be, we both agree like, hey, we, let's, let's, let's wait till tomorrow. You know, life situations, circumstances, whatever. And then those of you are going to ask me, do, and are you going to ask me this? Well, how many times? Not going to answer that for you. Um, but you both need to agree upon it. And what that does, too, is that frees you up. It frees you up to enjoy thinking about it, planning about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's incredibly freeing. No one gets their feelings hurt. Um, incredibly helpful. Yes, Larry.
huh, I haven't had anybody come and tell me that, but I can easily see how that could happen. And that's why you're gonna need to, you're gonna need to talk and adjust. Because one person might be like, let's say you agreed on a certain night or whatever, or nights, whatever it is for you in a week, and you agreed on those nights, and then it got like one spouse is like, uh, can we, it's a little too much, honey, for me. And you're like, okay, you adjust, right? But you got to have that conversation. Yes, that's happened. People will talk to me about that. That's happened with us. We'll say, yeah, 12 times a week is a too much, honey. <laughs> yes. So if you start moving, here's what, but I do want you to think about week. I don't want you to think about month because I think if you start thinking about month, I, I, that, that seems to not be moving into a healthy direction. If, if God gave sexual intimacy as a sacrament, it's almost like the way people treat the sacrament, the Lord's Supper. It's so special, we're going to do it once a quarter. Churches do that. We probably grew up in, I grew up in churches that did that, right? I was like, well, I don't even remember the Lord's Sacrament in the mainline denominations in the Bible churches I grew up in. I don't remember ever taking the Lord's Supper as a kid ever even seen it, right? Uh, so if, think of, it is like sexual intimacy is a sacrament of the marriage. It's not just um, a revealer of the marriage, it's a means of grace for the marriage. It's both, because it was given by God to be part of the marriage, right? So if you're thinking in terms of, you know, month, I want to encourage you to think more in terms of week when you think about this, when you all talk about this and try to figure out what that looks like for you, okay? I think that will be healthier for you. And if you want to talk more about that, come see me. All right, any questions on that before we look at some texts? Okay, so here's the question for you all. Um, if I missed anything, what are the top conflicts? And you, without, you know, this is our top conflict. Uh, I don't want you to feel, I mean, I'd be great if we could talk that way, but we don't need to do that. Um, but what are some top conflicts that are out there for imaginary couples in sexual intimacy and sexual love today? We've mentioned some, we might as well put them out. The frequency thing, so we tackled that one, right? The frequency, we're taking, we took that off the table. Isn't that amazing? Just like that. You're welcome. It's like done. Frequency, done. Um, we saw design, right? Some of the design stuff. So we took care of that, design. Possibly tied to gender. Everything's a little confusing now, anyway. <laughs> so... That's not always guaranteed. Possibly personality is, is in there as well. So we talked about the light switch or the microwave and the crock pot. We talked about the visual and the tactical or the touch. Okay, so we've done that. We've talked about um, within the crock pot, the whole relational component. So, you know, the, the, the developing and the deepening, the grow, let's just say the growing, growing of the relationship. So we've talked about that, done with that. What? Okay, what else? So if that's not happening, you're going to have problems in this area, right? 
Uh, if we're not understanding these areas, <coughs> there's going to be unnecessary. These are easy to fix, right? You learn this, and it's fixed. So why have those unnecessary problems in those areas? Let's just fix it, understand it, move on, put it to practice, remember it. Frequency, we can fix that right now, too. Done. What else is there? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. No, that's a really, really good one. Yeah. We, we relate to that uh, a lot. Yeah. And that's so, that's a good thing to think about then, right? So let's not think of snapshots when we're talking about this area. Let's think more of like a, a, a storyline, right? So think of how do you want the storyline of your sexual love and sexual intimacy, what do you want it to look like, generally speaking? And obviously there will be seasons and there'll be that, if you do take care of this one, it's like, Sweetie, you know, you know, one of you, can we, can we wait till tomorrow or hey, how about Friday? Cause we, maybe we can sleep in that morning or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Great. That's a, a good practical thing to do. What else? Fatigue, seasons of life, other top problems, conflicts and in sexual intimacy, sexual love. Yeah, Larry. Style. That's interesting. Oh, that's good. Okay, style, manner. And I think all of that's involved, right? If this is, if it's a sacrament, it means it's comprehensive. If it's a sacrament of a relationship, a marriage relationship, it's a means to growing and um, encouraging and deepening the love and the intimacy in the relationship, um, is, are we uh, singularly uh, tied to one emotion or one expression of that in sexual intimacy and love? Heck no. Heck no. In fact, when we look at, you look at Song of Songs, sometimes it's this tender reality, and other times it's like you're, holy cow, what's he really saying right there, <laughs> right? And what is she saying right there? Sometimes it's like fun, and sometimes it's incredibly passionate, and sometimes it's play, you know, whatever, right? Yes. But what are you saying the problem is about this? Different expectations of this, or? Jump under the covers. Got it. Yeah. No, that's very true. And I think that gets that whole no, 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 yes, yes, yes thing. And then even the cultural stuff that goes on. Um, if everything around us is making it look dirty, feel dirty, 
even though it's it's prolific, it's going to affect it's going to affect all of us, right? Wait, say that, Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's what would we say to that? We would say baggage. Yeah. Baggage. I mean, I'm just going to say it's not I'm not we're not judging. I'm not judging, but I'm stating reality. Baggage and sexual sin hurts us, right? In other words, the, the, the realities of, of it's so powerful, it's so personal, it's a sacrament for marriage. So if you take something that's so powerful and it's a sacrament that actually drives, deepens, and expresses marriage, but it's taken now out of marriage and goes outside the bounds of marriage, it's going to hurt us and it's going to have a lot of stuff with that, right? However, that does not mean, <laughs> that does not mean Redemption, and that does not mean new creation, and that does not mean because Jesus loves sinners, and the gospel goes to sinners, and this is another area that Jesus redeems and Jesus saves, right? Just like the other broken areas and baggaged areas of our life, like the way that we handle authority, like the way that we deal with our identity in terms of uh, conflict or critique or uh, you... You know, uh, we all have our baggage, and we all need the gospel in these areas. So, yes, this area didn't escape it. Absolutely. What else? There might not be anything else, but just so we look at this, if there's an area that you want to pretend it's general to everybody, but you want us to talk about, what other area would there be? pretty good. Is there anything we're missing that we want to just address? All right. Let's look at a couple texts. Uh, I mean, I, I thought with like, uh, do I go to the, it's always easy to go to certain texts, right? Um, so I'm going to try to confuse you at the same time. So let's go to if you go to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the seconds like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the number one neighbor that God has given you if you're married is your spouse. And you're to love your neighbor, love your spouse as yourself. And Paul actually says that. Paul says to uh, the husband says, you don't hate your body, you love your body. And he says, so you love your wife, because she's your body. 
you're now one flesh. You're one new thing. So what you guys, what we do to the other person, we're actually doing to us. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. Because now we're no longer two individual people. We're now one new creation. We didn't absorb into each other. We formed one new thing. We're now one flesh. We're now one thing. So even in this area, think about you're actually loving you're loving each other. You're loving yourself because your identity is so now with your spouse. It's huge. So that can kind of reorient us in certain things. Sexual intimacy, sexual love, right? Okay, here's another passage. Um, song 1-2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oil, oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out, therefore virgins love you. Draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. He will exult and rejoice over me. He will extol, we will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. What's, what's scandalous about this text is this is the woman speaking. So uh, this is the mystery of desire. This is the mystery of love, right? Sexual intimacy, sexual love. Um, if you were to look, all I want to say about this, if you were to look at the Song of Songs, it would shock you as to gender roles. So even the stuff I set up here, I kind of laugh at. Because even the Song of Songs flips it. So a lot of our stuff could be cultural and personality-wise. So just remember that. You go to the Song of Songs, and it's actually the woman that's doing all the work. She's the one having all the desires. Right? Uh, it's pretty interesting. So don't get trapped into this. Just be aware of it. It doesn't need to be fixed just on the other person. Uh, Thessalonians, I think, is a good one. 5.11, therefore encourage one another. Build one another up just as you are doing. So there's, a, there's something about encouragement. There's something about loving the other person and sexually and uh, intimately that builds someone up instead of tears them down. So even in this area, it's a way to build the other person up. So think through building the other person up. Think that through, right? Um, and then, of course, uh, James 4 is a good one. When you're having problems, what causes these problems? Go back to your mega desires. Check them. Check them. And then remember... The vacuum cleaner uh, uh, image, and then remember, the answer to the vacuum cleaner is being filled. And in James 4, he tells you that, but God gives you more grace. More grace that obliterates and fills every nook and cranny and anything that you can desire. Now in that place, love your spouse. In that place, think about sexual intimacy and sexual love with your spouse. That's a good place to be at. And then the rest of that passage talks about, if you want to look at it, it's four, James 4, 1, down to verse 10. It just talks about the wonder of repentance, the wonder of turning away from your mega desires and turning to the grace, and therefore turning to one another. So that's a good thing to know. And then the big one, if you want to, you go to Song 4, 1 through 5, 1, and it's just... 
you know, it's like, oh, my. Uh, when we did this, uh, it surprised the heck out of me. I mean, you, you, the ones that are evident, you know, the, your two breasts are like two fawns. Yeah, all the, you know, the sixth graders at, at Collins House are giggling over that one, you know, when that's read, when we read that in the text, right? Evident. But it's incredibly, beautifully sexually intimate. And it, if you read it and look at it, uh, it has everything from what we talked about in terms of visual is in it, uh, and touch is in it. Uh, it has the microwave. It has the crock pot. All of it's in there, all of it. So that's a, a very um, – when, when everyone's doing the no, 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 this is the text I go to. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the yes in its most beautiful, poetic way. Um, this is where we want God's grace to work in that area, okay? Um, and it's incredibly extolling. Uh, you can see how each person is uh, not only um, tactile or touching, not only visual, but they're communicating too. Uh, they're communicating how much their beloved um, is lovely to them and how much they desire them. This is all good stuff that actually encourages the other, builds the other up, loves them, right? And then again, for some of you, some of you are more, um, your, communica your love communication is more verbal. Others of you, your love communication is more serving. So figure that out too, right? Figure that out. Like I'm verbal, man. I'm like, come on, honey, tell me. Talk to me. Tell me. Um, I, I talk to her, tell her. She's like, hmm. Then I clean the dishes, or I serve her, or I do something for her. She's like, oh, honey, thank you. And I'm like, good night. All I did was pick up the trash. You know, it's, to me, it's like, that doesn't even communicate to me. She can, and she serves me all the time, and I'm figuring it out. It doesn't do anything for me. But that's her. She's loving me because she's serving, right? So now I'm like, she needs to speak more, and I need to serve more. That's how we got to deal with it. What do you need to do to love each other, right? But anyhow, it's all in all these texts. So the scripture is loaded with everything we talked about. I think another passage, if you just want to have it for yourself, the whole book of Song of Songs is every, I mean, the whole thing is loaded with that. You can also go to Proverbs. There's tons of Proverbs. First uh, Peter 3, 7 and 3, 8 talks specifically to wives and to husbands, talks about wives living with your wife in an understanding way, which means you've got to know your wife. That's a really good thing. Do you know your wife? Do you know her sexually? Do you know her intimately? Do you know, do you know that she wants to be served, not told how wonderful she is? <laughs> Figure that, know her, live with her that way. And, uh, and that's basically it. We'll call it quits there. Amen. Go in peace.